0: interesting of all the questions i've asked and i've asked a lot of questions i've got through the years <laughs> when you really get stumped the answer is probably in one of the feasts it's sitting there in a shadow or a type that gives you clarity on it mm. now i can't tell you how many people have asked me about the thousand year reign of christ the millennium and i don't understand they're binding satan and they let him go and you know there's just a lot of themes in it and Likewise, myself and others uh, on this subject of where do we go? Do you immediately go to heaven, or are you somewhere else? So, let's just dig into those thousand years for a moment, because that's what happens first, right? You're in those thousand years. A Feast of Tabernacles is the culmination of all all the biblical holy days and represents the final stage of his plan of salvation after the great war of the end times and the second coming of jesus those who survive of all the nations will go up to jerusalem to worship and celebrate the feast of tabernacles that celebration takes in the takes place in the millennial kingdom to be a feast of tabernacles in the millennium feast itself is a foreshadow of that kingdom we're told to gather fruits of the harvest that his souls to wave them as a thanksgiving before jehovah There is a specific mention of palm branches. So a lot of this obviously is talking about souls, souls, souls. When Jesus entered Jerusalem riding a donkey, the disciples greeted him by waving palm branches. That entry was a shadow of his second coming. He came in on a donkey instead of a white horse. That's still to come. That was a triumphal entry because he was coming for souls by laying down his life. It was technically a humble entry. There will be another entry. Jesus will enter in triumph as king on a white horse on that first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Not only will a few Jewish disciples wave palm branches, but the righteous remnant of every nation. We are the palm branches in that mm. moment. Pretty cool. And I've been to that gate, and I'm looking forward to that thing. After this, I looked. There was before me a great multitude that no one could count. I've read this many times. They're in white robes. They're holding palm branches in their hands. That's us. That's us. Just as there is an agricultural harvest at the time of Sukkot, the end of the biblical holy days, so will there be a great harvest of souls at the end of the ages. It's time to discover the answer to the big question. What happens to us when we die as Christians? Do our souls, spirits go directly to heaven, as some verses seem to imply, or are we in some temporary place waiting for our bodies to be raised and changed in an instant? Let's see what the Feast of Tabernacles reveals the answer to those questions. Revelation 20. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he would not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were fulfilled. And after that, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. All right, remember that. Souls of those who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and who had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received the mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. All right, so that's who's with them for a thousand years. What about the rest of us? But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, needless to say, that passage right there has caused a lot of people to go, I don't understand. It just causes you to ask... So many questions. So there's two groups of people, those who are martyrs. They'll spend the millennium with Jesus. And then there's the rest of Christians. If the thousand years is only for martyrs, what happens to the rest of us? Where will we spend that thousand years? See, that kind of blows a hole in the thought of we're going to heaven right now to be with Jesus because there's a thousand years and we're not there. The first seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles is that thousand years. And the clue to where we'll be is the Sukkahs. Or booths, all right? Notice that no one is in heaven during this period. That's an important part. So, no, when you die, you do not go directly to heaven. That's a confusing part because of some verses, but I'll show you why that's confusing. But that's not really the most important question. It really isn't. Who will you be with is the most important Mm. thing, not where. What we do during this feast of Tabernacles week? What do we do? We live, we eat, we sleep. What in sukkahs, temporary shelters? See, it's not about eternity. It's sukkah time. The millennium is sukkah time. That's what the millennium is for the martyrs. It's a temporary shelter, and for and that's what Sheol is, the place of the dead. For the rest of the redeemed, it's a temporary shelter. Ultimately, what was the tabernacle in the wilderness? It was where, it was the temporary place they would meet with God. So it's not where you are in this situation over these thousand years, but who you're with. So if you belong to Jesus when you die, your tabernacle be, will be with him. Wherever you are for those thousand years, if you belong to Jesus, you'll be with Jesus. That's the Feast of Tabernacles, where we taste and see that He's good. But the question is, how can we know? Let's dig in these verses that can cause, you know, or at least lead us to ask so many questions. So we'll start with Hebrews 9. Just as people who are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sanct- sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he'll appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So number one, everyone is destined to die once, and after that, to judgment. So there's no getting out of that. That's everyone. The Bible says that death is a separation of the body from our soul and spirit. Ecclesiastes 12.7 says the body returns to the ground to await the resurrection, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. All right, so that's a pretty good quick clue. Returns to God. Luke 23 tells us, Jesus said to the penitent thief beside him on the cross, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. All right, that's a today, and uh, with me, and a paradise. That's three things. That brings up three questions all in one statement. (laughs) Very short verse, a lot of questions. (laughs) Philippians 123, Apostle Paul desires to depart and be with Christ. All right, so he doesn't add all the, the muck to the thing just to be with Christ, which is better by four. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says those who have died trusting in Jesus are away from the body and at home with the Lord. Home and Lord there. So it's unanimous. The scriptures all agree that we'll be with Jesus when we die as Christians. But there's still the question of where we'll be. And there are a bunch of scriptures that give us a clue, but also can be a bit confusing, unless you have the Feast of Tabernacles that shed light on it. Daniel 12 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So clearly Christians here will be awakened. That's part of it. First Samuel 28 tells the story of an encounter with the, the in, with Sheol by King Saul. And this is a scary scripture, but it makes you understand that this time in death is not only real, but there is some place that you are. Now, Samuel was dead and all Israel had mourned for him. And buried him in his own town of Ramah. Later, due to some great fear, Saul sought a medium and said to her, Consult a spirit for me. And he said, And bring up for me the one I name." And the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. Samuel said to Saul, the spirit... Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? So the Bible gives us a pretty clear picture of a godly man's spirit in what's called Sheol or Hades. But the scripture that causes many people to question the specifics is 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54. And here is what Paul tells us. Listen, I tell you a mystery. All right, so you already know it's a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. All right, so here the dead are raised from somewhere. All right, coming up. So, we don't end up making you spend too much time here. I'm going to break this into two pieces. And coming up, we're going to look at a thousand years in a booth.